brand new release from Winnipeg's The Gumshoe Strut is available now. The Heartbeat EP is the local MC slash producer's first solo release in 10 years, and he returns with a fiery display of raw emotion set to a wavy, hot-blooded soundscape. You can get the Heartbeat EP now on digital, cassette, or CD at thegumshoestrut.bandcamp.com. Hey folks, this is Monty from the band Loiter here. Just wanted to personally invite you down to the Beer Boutique at 910 Region Avenue in front of the new Best Western Premier Hotel. At Beer Boutique, we specialize in local craft beer and carry a large selection of coolers and ciders. We've also recently expanded our gluten-free options. Next time you're in the area, be sure to stop by and say hi. We love talking local brews and local tunes. Get up off your ass and get up on the podcast! Okay, welcome to Witch Police Radio. Uh, you know, as I've been doing for months now, it's the uh, the quarantine thing where I'm talking to people via Zoom or via whatever program on my computer, and it's not quite the same as doing something in person, but the one benefit is it does mean I can often get kind of artists that maybe I wouldn't have necessarily had on the show when I was doing it the old way, and it kind of I've broadened my scope a little bit, and that also means I've, I've got a lot of bands kind of coming back, you know, years after they broke up or if they're getting back together and things like that and, and sort of talking about the history uh, of what their whole experience was in the local music scene. And that's really a lot of fun to do. So this is another one of those, I think. Uh, there is some news, obviously, but, you know, it's also um, kind of a look back. So I think the best way to get this started is if uh, the two of you here want to introduce yourselves and what you did in the group, and then we can sort of uh, take it from there. Sure. Um, I'm Jamil. And I sang and played bass and played guitar as well in the band Projector. Cool. Ditto minus the vocals. But yeah, <laughs> okay, I played, okay. played guitar and, and bass. So Jamil and I traded off on those duties that, uh, yeah. Cool, cool. Yeah. And I think that just, just for some context, I mean, like I remember Projector uh, being around, uh, it's got to be, I guess, what, early 2000s, late 90s was sort of your beginning there but um it's been a while since i've heard the name and i think this sort of came about because uh one of us started following the other on instagram and it was cool to see that there was still activity happening like this is a band that i thought had broken up years ago and uh so it was neat to kind of see all these uh not only old stuff getting reposted but just kind of new information as well so i think maybe the best place to start would be just uh getting some context into who projector was and what sort of the timeline was i guess for when you actually were active as a band. Sure. Chris, you want to handle this or should I? Well, I, I can, well, obviously, uh, maybe from the start, I, I was part of the band for the first album. So maybe we can start about the genesis of the band. Sure, and, sure. Uh, yeah. So Jamil and I have been knowing each other since high school um, and been both bass players. So uh, although really like brothers in music all along, but we never really had the opportunity to play in a band. And this was, you know, things being as they were, Jamil fresh off kittens and mm-hmm. me being available at the time. This was uh, a project we just sort of uh, inevitably happened, just given the circumstances we had, the time and the, the connections available, and pulled together some great um, people we we knew between the two of us and uh, did a couple, did a seven inch, and uh, yeah, take it from there, Jamil. I guess. <laughs> Yeah, we, we, um, what Chris said, we've known each other for a long time. And, um, you know, after Kittens dissolved, I did a few random things or whatnot. But, um, when I 
was like, I want to start a, a band. You know, like I want to start another band, and I and I had a pretty clear idea musically of what I wanted it to be as well. And Chris was one of my best friends that we hadn't played in a band together. You okay. know, I'd had, I'd had a few other very close friends that I'd been in a band with, but we hadn't done a band. And uh, I thought it was very interesting for the two of us to get together and start writing because we were both bass players, like you said. Sure. So we both mm. bought guitars for the band and both ended up playing guitar as well. And uh, yeah, like uh, Chris said, we put up that seven inch, which was a split with the paperbacks right, right. and uh, went on an, a tour with the paperbacks in Eastern Canada for, uh, felt like a, an eternity. It was a long one kind of, we were in a car. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of driving. Yeah, not, enough, it, yeah. enough, not enough yeah, shots, lot of, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> it was a lot of driving, but we, we did that tour, and I remember coming home from the tour. Um, I'm not even sure how, because this would have been in the year 2000. But uh, I ended up doing an interview with Uptown, I think it was at okay. the time, and they, you know, they they were pretty excited about what we we were doing, you know, and we didn't even really have anything out yet. So that's when I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. Like people seem to be interested in the band, which is you know, we had just started and we were basically playing to mostly empty rooms in Eastern sure. Canada. But well, I, I guess it, sort of... it goes without saying too, that this is, I mean, sonically, it's drastically different from kittens, which I think is what people would have known you from before. I mean, it's, it's like day and night. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and the press at the time was super hyper focused on that, probably to the point of annoying the other guys in the <laughs> band a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but definitely when, when Chris and I got together, um, it's funny because Chris and I both played in like, um, you know, before this we played, we both had played in separate bands that were like metal bands. Yeah, yeah. You know, we were really into uh, like late eighties, early nineties, death metal, for instance, and stuff like that. So mm. we're kind of coming from that. And then you're getting a bit older. We're like in our early twenties then and broadening your tastes. And I even pulled out some records to kind of remind me, but I know Chris will laugh, but like, this is, this was like step number one right here. Oh, geez, yeah. <laughs> you know, that, we were bonding over this record, hardcore. Track of, yeah. Yeah. And right there. And uh, this one was a big one for me nice. just because I was like, there's a heavy band doing really mellow stuff in the mix, you know? Like, this is almost like Sabbath's orchestral pop record. Sure, sure. And uh, there's more. I won't bother showing No, it's, it's cool that you dug them out, though. But so. Yeah, I was just trying to, I was trying to source the records. But it, it really was a thing, a case of, you know, being into other bands like My Bloody Valentine or The Verve and things like this. And and knowing that I wanted to do something that wasn't a he, quote unquote heavy band. Sure. And then Chris and I getting together and, and finding out that we were actually quite on the same page at that time in terms of like the records that mm -hmm. we were kind of into. And then uh quickly discovering that you know for me I, I was quite a novice on guitar you know what i mean but chris uh blew me away like because we both bought guitars at the same time but he was <laughs> to me he was infinite infinitely better on guitar than me uh, but we both would come up with pretty cool parts on the guitars so it just started clicking pretty fast, actually. Did that uh, kind of experience of being bass players sort of jumping over to guitar, did that play a big part in shaping the sound in the sense that you're you're thinking probably musically from a different kind of angle, right, as a bass player? I, I definitely hear that, for sure. Um, I think for 
not just the album, this album, but every projector album that even the ones I wasn't a part of, I think it has the core, obviously Jamil being that bass driven uh, focus, but in the first album in particular, both of us, I can see in my parts for sure, um, uh, coming from a bass, bass background, um, but more from a compositional approach too. I think coming as a bass player, you, you, you come with, at it from a different angle quarterly and harmonically sure um the parts you come up with are just different and i think that's sort of maybe lent something unique to the band sound at the time uh now that i listen back to it I, that's what i recognize i mean at the time probably wouldn't have said that but yeah you, just, just you know this this is a long i haven't thought about this band in a long time uh but jamil brought this up, bringing this back to life has, has been amazing with uh with the label and um so it's been nice to listen back to it after this and see that uh, and think about that and that question really brought that to mind for me yeah do you, do you feel the same way jamil about the bass like you know contributing yeah i mean i never thought you know i never really gave it too too much thought like chris said you know but i uh definitely like uh, uh, me on the guitar i'm still thinking very much about the rhythm of sure like the rhythmic uh feel and i think that that's you know, if you want to go into musician talk, I guess that's that's from being a bass player, you know. And and I certainly didn't play anything too complicated on the guitar and projector. It was very, very much about sort of accenting crashes and mm-hmm. um, coming up with, because we used a lot of delay in the songs because we were really into a lot of those kind of bands that did that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the delays, of course, are also a, a very rhythmic part of you know, the sound of that, of the, especially that first record. So.
I kind of always had a hard time figuring out where to place you kind of genre-wise. And I know, you know, you just showed me some CDs there giving up some of the influences. But I think it's – and I think the reason I had I struggled with it is because you have that kind of I – mean, like you're saying, with the delays and those kind of atmospheric sort of things and then that, that post-rocky kind of sound. But then you guys often, as memory serves anyway, played a lot of shows with kind of big uh, straight-ahead rock bands. It seems like you were often sort of yeah. uh, on those bills, and you were doing something that was definitely more more interesting and more more weird, I guess. But that was sort of where I often saw you on 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 show posters, and even at shows, I saw you a few times live over the years, and it was at that kind of a show. Yeah, I mean, again, that's one of those things. Uh, I mean, I think during Red Wolf Glass that period, um, you know, we did do that tour with Eric's trip. And, uh, and right. Monine, which right there was a diverse bill, but I would also say it's, you know, still rooted in non-mainstream music. Um, I don't think we ever shied away from mainstream music. I mean, if you, if you, if I, if I just think about the Cure sure. again, for instance, I mean, the band is you know, they're enormous, and you can bet if they would have asked us to open for them, we would have done it. You yeah, know what I mean? yeah, yeah. Who wouldn't do that? So I, I, we were never afraid of of popularity so much i think that uh um well i guess i I guess i didn't mean like you know whether you were what your thoughts were on whether becoming popular or not it's just sort of sonically it almost seemed like you didn't fit but it still sort of did i don't know and that makes it difficult i think to pin you down because you know you're the type of band that could be playing you know i think you're on some of those power 97 compilations right well and then and then you also have these kind of like you know very very Mm -hmm kind of indie rock sort of uh, post-rock elements that are very different from that stuff. Yeah. I mean, when you start talking about that, then you're getting to the next record. Okay. And that's that's a bit of a story in itself as far as what was going on at the time and such. So, yeah. But we can talk about that if you like. It's just... that's, Well, I mean, at the beginning when the band was starting, Jamila and I were drawing upon our collective, you know, just friends in the scene. Winnipeg's a small scene, man. It, yeah. it was then, it is, it is Tighten now. Tighten it, yeah. And so, you know, just we know people playing in diverse sounding bands and those that's just the show's fall together. Um, you know, yeah. So that's, I think that's, a, that's, that's still kind of the norm in Winnipeg. It's, I, when I go out rarely these days, it's, it's great to see um, yeah. that sort of diversity in the city. I think it's a strength. So I, I don't know. It's, um, yeah. At least in the Redwood Wolf Glass era that we're talking about here, yeah, that was the um, my recollection of things. Well, I think that I'm unintentionally jumping around here on the timeline a little bit. So, I mean, Chris, you said you were just on the first on the first record. So, what sort of happened? Um, how did you end up leaving the band, and, and what happened after that? Mm. Well, I mean, you know, at, at, it's we, Jamil and I were chatting about this the other day, and. Uh, I had a hard time pointing to a specific event, but there was, I mean, like we all, you know, in, in our twenties, things happen. Um, what I immediately did after that is I moved to Korea and lived there for 14 years. So that's a story in itself, but that was the immediate, um, that was an impulse. Don't uh, make it hard they, to play uh, in a band here. Yeah. 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 I kind of, kind of <laughs> put, I, I mean, I continued music over there and I could, that's another topic entirely, but, um, that's, uh, that that was where I was, so there was that was physically impossible to, to even consider that. But that was a large part of my life that I just sort of uh, continued on with. Okay. And um, yeah, the actual, I mean, I'll be clear. There was 
certainly the sound uh, shift for between the first album to the next. Uh, I was I was not as uh, you know the move to more uh, a rate uh, you know I would say commercially focused a release maybe um, aimed at radio or or in that you know in that vein, which is you know I just coming at the time in my life musically I wasn't the direction I was feeling. Um, but I wouldn't say that's why I quit the band. It's, it was more, it was more akin to a co- combination of personal things and okay. uh, my desire to, to get out of town and travel the world and see the bit. And yeah, it's nice to be back and to talk about this uh, 20 years later. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, and to, to dig up those memories because it's, 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 yeah, the music, the, that period of time playing with the band was magical. Like Jimmy and I talked for two hours the other night about it and, and the, seeing this release come back to life and, uh, all the the effort he's Jimmy's putting into to bring it back is is really great, and I, I love the music. It, that's it's I'm super proud of that album. Um, I think it stands so so well on its own now, even 20 years later. It's it, you know it's been great to have it brought back to my own attention as a because yeah, kind of honestly, it's it's it's, it's far in the rearview for me now, but it's nice sure. to have see it come back. Yeah.
Don't you change to anyone? Just keep me here alone. Hard to change clothes I wear. I guess that's why we're so Maybe this is a uh, you know again to sort of break up the whole timeline thing, which I, I tend to do always anyway. But um, like, no. what do you think is the? Uh, I don't know if you like, like to use the word legacy, but what is kind of do you think people who are younger maybe and may have missed the band the first time around? Is there any kind of sense that you think they have about what Projector was? Because I think the name people people either have one of the records or they've borrowed a record from someone or their older brother has it or whatever and it's like it's a band that was around and made you know enough of a splash in Winnipeg that I think you have some kind of something I, I don't know do you think that there's a uh, an impact that was left on the local music scene by you guys um I you know what I, I do think so actually and it's you know it's a bit of a weird thing for me to answer about it in Winnipeg just because uh I was in Vancouver for the last 14 years. Right. <laughs> but I can tell you that I even had the odd person in Vancouver um, that had found out that I was in Projector, and they were like, oh, I really like, you know, whether it was the first record or the second record. That actually happened a couple times. So, you know, and we, of course, we did play in Vancouver a number of times. Yeah. So it's not that hard to understand why that could happen, but... Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I don't sit around thinking about this stuff too much, but I think, uh, you know, certainly, you know, people were, you know, there was people that were into the band, you know, um, especially in Winnipeg, I think, when we were playing shows here, uh, you know, people would come out to the shows, you know, that's one of those things when you're in a band, you can never, you you just never know, you know, if people are going to. Sort of, it's if it's going to connect with your with an audience or not, and and uh, it certainly seemed like we did, you know. Yeah, and we had good luck with a lot of shows, but I don't remember having a bad show in Winnipeg ever. Yeah, uh, it was it was pretty. We were pretty lucky. Love, very lucky. Locally, almost yeah. almost from the get go in Winnipeg, we were embraced. Yeah. Know? So, mm. 
the hometown kind of uh, yeah. I, I guess that probably helps that you've been in, you had been in other bands before too. Even if they were very different musically, people recognized yeah. you or they knew you from you know playing shows with your old bands. Or, or, <laughs> I yeah. mean, there was the the kittens thing, obviously. Uh, probably helped in Winnipeg even, sure. but I would, but you know, we also had cases like I remember playing a show at Amigos in Saskatoon and having a guy come up to me and be quite upset that we were not heavy enough. Yeah, yeah. You know, he was like, oh, I thought this was a guy from Kittens. I was like, well, <laughs> it is, <Really>? but sorry. <laughs> Different band. Yeah. So, you know, that happened oh. too, but well, whatever, you know. Well, and I know this isn't an interview about kittens, and but but kittens is one of those bands that you know I've been doing this show for eight years now, and I I talk to two artists a week, and it's so it's hundreds of episodes, and kittens kittens still come up all the time, like wow. with, regardless of what type of music it is, it's it's one of the few local bands like kind of that's long defunct at this point that just continually gets referenced. So I mean, I I was a fan too, obviously, but I mean like whatever you guys did, it 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 definitely made an impact. Um, yeah. On a lot of people, so it's it's kind of cool that that's still. Uh, uh, it may be annoying at this point for you, <laughs> but no, it, no, not, it's not annoying, man. It's I mean, that's that's just extremely flattering to hear that people care about something that I did twenty something years ago. Yeah. You know, that's, that really is pretty flattering. So I'm grateful for for that. You know, that's yeah, awesome. It, well, it it definitely left a one of those bands because Winnipeg, I think, has a lot of bands like that, and probably most cities too, where they you know whether you actually saw them live or not, or whether you actually got the records at the time. They kind of leave like a shadow, and people they they've heard of them and they're floating around kind of in the ether there. And I think that that kittens mm-hmm. more so, but I think Projector has a bit of that as well, um, in that people know it, and and it's kind of kind of cool. Um, but just to jump to like the present now, so you have even though you haven't existed for what uh, close to 20 years now close to 15 years what's the sort of end point um, of the band? what was it two i think 2005 okay so uh, 15 uh, years or so something like that yeah so you haven't existed in all that time but suddenly you are you exist again in some form in that you're reissuing an album you have reissued an album so yeah i guess you know i have a lot of questions about sort of, sort of what how this whole process went but what what was the uh, impetus to do this was it an anniversary thing was it just sort of uh I'll well, let you explain. It's fun. yeah i mean for me i was i was thinking about this it would have been maybe may, maybe it would have made more sense not that it really matters but it would have been you know 20 years in 2021 that right. red wolf glass came out but instead it's coming out now so <laughs> <laughs> but what happened basically was um I got the rights back to the masters from endearing records, which is the label that we had a contract sure. with for that record. And, uh, they were, um, they were very cool about it. I, I, um, I spoke to them and they were like, you know what? We're not technically a label anymore and we're not doing anything with this, with any of our releases anymore. Yeah. And they did some great releases it? on that label too. There was some really good, they stuff. did. And then they basically were like, do you want it back? And I was like, Yes, I do. <laughs> you know, I think there's nothing cooler than for an artist to have control of their own material. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then, you know, it's just the timing of everything. Like uh, being back here now, living back here again, and uh, getting uh, some boxes, shall we say, returned to me that had been in storage for a very long time. Okay. And digging through them and finding that I had so much archival you know demo cassettes press clippings you name it yeah 
and I was like, you know what? This there's there's unreleased tracks. There's all this stuff. I ha- I have an ability to put this out. Let's put it out. Why cool. not? So it's coming out, or it's come out. So that's awesome. It's it's a very cool thing. Is it? Is it uh, and I, I know you you know you sent me a kind of a link to a lot of the the supplemental material and like you said there's all those press clippings and photos and and yeah. reviews and all that stuff and one of the things yeah. i thought was super cool about that is because you know nowadays if a band is active and that stuff happens they're gonna have links to all that they can take a screenshot they got all these yeah. videos people shot on their phones everything is just really easily archived but you were kind of right in that sweet spot before the internet sort of really took over in a big way and so having that stuff is, is not a given, right? It's, it's not a given that you're going to have access to all these old interviews and, and clippings and things. And so the fact Definitely. that you have that is very cool because it's super easy to lose all that with something that's even, yeah. even 20, 25 years old. Totally. Yeah, yeah thanks, man. I think, uh, you know, again, like, I, it doesn't even matter to me how many people will care about that extra stuff or not. But for I know for me as a music fan, especially as a music fan who still buys CDs and records, me too, yeah, yeah. Const- constantly. I like physical media. I'm not a strictly digital download streaming guy, although I do that as well. Um, but uh, having that stuff in a booklet when it's a reissue for a record that's almost twenty years old, I had the materials. Um, well, I just figured, why not? I think yeah. it's cool. I think I know there's fans of that record out there, and I hope that they'll check it out and enjoy it.
was that particular record just because of the, the the issue with getting the masters back from enduring, or was was there was that one you wanted to do that anyway with? Well, you know, honestly, I hadn't I hadn't thought about doing it until endearing offered okay. it up. Okay. You know, I, I was I didn't know what it would entail to to really ask them point blank like, "Hey, can you give me my record back?" Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Uh it was online, you know, so people could stream it already and download it or whatever. Yeah. So, I, you know, that was fine, you know. Um, they didn't have to give it back to me, so or to us. So, I mean, for them to do that, I thought was, like I say, was very cool. Yeah. Has this experience of of putting this together and going through all that old stuff has that kind of inspired you to do that? Go through some of your other material for previous records, or is uh, it's already done? Actually, okay. <laughs> nice, yeah. Nice. Believe it or not, yeah. they uh, their Young Hearts Fail got a re release earlier this year also as a deluxe okay. edition with four bonus tracks cool cool um and yeah i have the original final, cd of that but i, I should i should check out the uh, deluxe one yeah. yeah the uh so just a, a tiny bit of information about that uh for anyone who's curious young hearts fail is uh a different master of the album okay. a different sequence of the album which was the original sequence that i wanted um, and it's got, uh, like I said, four bonus tracks, one compilation track, three demo tracks. Okay. And then our final EP was also reissued in, I think it was in January it came out, with two extra tracks that were never released, which are actually cover tunes that cool. we had done. Cool. So, what is so the... all this stuff... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No. So I'm just, all this stuff is pretty much available now uh, in a new format. So That's very cool, yeah. Anyone who's curious to check out the stuff, it's there. What has the reaction been from people, uh, you know, who now that this is available? I'm assuming you've probably heard from some friends or, or past fans of the band. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I mean, I had, I've had a, a bunch of different comments. I guess some people were surprised um, that we had recorded cover tunes because they had no idea. And I mean, the bands aren't a surprise. It was a failure song and a quicksand song, okay. which are, especially at that point in the band. Uh, by the time the band was close to being done we had gotten a lot more post-punk so the definitely the sound of the band had changed um and had become a little more aggressive so almost starting to tip back to (laughs) the older stuff that i was doing in a in a way but um but yeah it's uh uh you know i did a little bit of press um for the reissues and um but there seems to be even more interest in press for red wolf glass yeah um just in the last couple weeks um so that's cool too like again for a record that's you know almost 20 years old that there's people that are aware of the band that you know want to talk such as yourself yeah, yeah um about about the band or about that record um again we can only be you know grateful that people are you know, stoked or interested in in the band still. So, yeah, it's not. I guess it's kind of rolling the dice to see if anyone actually still cares at this point, right? So it's obviously they do, which is good. But yeah. yeah, yeah, it's very cool. You know, uh, I never take any of that kind of stuff for granted with anything I do. So it's very cool. Depending yeah. how how successful this is and how many people, you know, what kind of reaction you get for, from all of this, but especially the latest one, is there any chance this band's going to play together again in any kind of configuration? <laughs> Because usually this is the the lead in to uh, to a reunion, right? I mean, whether you intend it or not, this kind of thing tends to yeah, uh, I, tends to go that way. Yeah. 
I like to hear what Chris has to say about that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I uh, yeah, I wouldn't hold your breath, but uh, <laughs> we're both uh, obviously Jamil and I. Well, Jamil obviously, and I'm active musically now, but uh, we're also in different stages in life. And sure. The pandemic being as it is, I'm not. I'm. I'm just looking forward to going and seeing a show. Never mind uh, playing one. I mean, so because yeah, yeah. I think that's a bigger question than we can possibly think of at this moment in, t- in history at this particular time. Yeah, unfortunately. But Jimmy, Bill, you I'm, have another cake on. <laughs> I'm. I'm happy to be. Uh, to be hanging out with Chris again, even if it is virtually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, we're very old friends, and it's very cool. And, uh, of course, I've had contact with uh, with Darren and with Jeremy. Yeah. Uh, and I've even seen Sean since uh, I've been back in town. So most of the people that were involved in Projector, I have had a chance to at least say hello to, which is really nice. You yeah, know? that's but cool, yeah. Yeah, as far as us doing anything, I mean, I have no idea. I, I don't know about that, really. No. Yeah. Well, you never know what might happen. I, I had yeah. to ask, you know. It's just, it, it does seem like this is kind of uh, one of those things that, that they could turn into something bigger, depending. But Yeah, I, I feel like I, I might have just thrown water on that fire. But I, <laughs> I want to make clear, like, if, 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 things, if the stars align and things sure. happen, I'm there. But uh, I just think it's a, it's, a, it's a hard time right now. Yeah, um, well, for everyone, it's a hard time right now. Definitely yeah. with the pandemic and everything. Yeah. Can't see an opportunity for that, but, but yeah. if it, if it comes, uh, yeah. Uh, even another in another context, playing with Jamil again, that'll be. I think that's probably the more realistic option, if anything. But sure, uh, I, yeah. I really think that um, Chris and I had something really cool going as you know, got two guys working on music together. You know, yeah, yeah. There was there was fire was, there for sure. Yeah, we, you know, a lot of, uh, probably what, Chris, half that record was written by you and me sitting in your living room with a guitar and a bass. Pretty much. Like before yeah. we even had a full lineup. So, you know, we had some pretty good chemistry, if you will, yeah, I yeah. guess I would say on that. So yeah. it's a very honest record. We weren't overthinking anything about what we were doing. We were just coming up with cool parts that we liked. And then yeah, we were right too. Single. We're all learning and exploring at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Do you think that might be why it caught on so well? Just the fact that it was that kind of honest, just putting it all out there and playing it without any kind of uh, pretension I, to... I think so. I think... Uh, I really believe that people can see uh, fake... Totally, yeah. ...or whatever from a mile away, you know? If you overthink oh, are people going to like this? Oh, maybe we should do this. Or maybe we need to cut our hair this way. Or what? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. you have to be, you have to be, uh, uh, approach it from, uh, you know, 100% honesty, you know. And I've, I learned that the hard way, you know. That would explain uh, why this, you know, that, that feeds into why the songs, some songs stretch out a lot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it, there's energy there that was, um, so so vibrant at the time yeah and yeah. uh you can see that also i think in, um the te- the textural guitar tones too feeds into back to the previous topic about you know coming from bass backgrounds mm-hmm. and um that with with coming at the guitar from a different angle you know just yeah it re- yields that sort of sound and, and those longer explore- explorative songs yeah 
So if people are, you know, whether they're hearing about you for the first time, which might be the case, depending, you know, depending where they were when the band was initially around, uh, some of them might have been kids, you know, um, but how do they find out more information? How do they find the the reissued record? Where do they hear your stuff? And uh, yeah, so on. Okay. Uh, Yeah, we do have a a Bandcamp page, which all three records are on. And, uh, of course, we're on Spotify, Apple Music, and all the usual suspects for streaming. And you can follow us also on Instagram. Okay. And then as far as this latest reissue, all of that uh, supplemental material, all of the the clippings and everything, do people get that when they download it? it, Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's going to be exclusively on the Bandcamp uh, website, so you you will automatically get it's a fifteen page PDF digital booklet yeah. with uh, yeah all photos, press clippings, liner notes, the whole shebang, and of course that version has the three extra songs. One of which is a uh, the first well, I thought it was the first song that Chris and I ever wrote together, but cool. uh, Chris was saying he thought it was actually the second one. So well. Second song we ever wrote, but yeah, it's a demo song that we had demoed, but we decided not to put it on the record. So it's pretty cool. I found basically like the CDR master of the okay. demo. Right on. So when I was digging through all the stuff, and I was like, "Oh wow, here's a song that no one's ever heard." Like I don't even remember recording that, man. <laughs> there you go. But I listened to it the other day, my and I remembered it instantly. But cool. yeah, I think it is probably the first song we wrote. I think you're right, Jamil. Yeah, and it was the. We were saying that that was the first song that we played at the first show we ever played. That Very was cool. the opening song. So it's cool to have it finally see the light of day. And yeah. I think people, you know, people that like Red Wolf Glass will probably like that demo because it's very much in the same wheelhouse. In fact, when I listen to it, I'm like, why didn't we put that on the record? <laughs> well, but the record, yeah, the eight songs, the original record was a good, you know, 40 minutes or whatever. So it was a good cool. length the way it was, I guess. Well, as, as someone who, you know, like we were saying before, I, I still listen to physical music pretty much exclusively. And yeah. one of my biggest beefs with kind of streaming and digital music and all this is is that you don't have that kind of extra material. You don't necessarily have the liner notes. You have a tiny mm-hmm. cover on your screen. And yeah. you, you, you don't get all that really awesome information that you get from sitting down and, you know, listening to a record front to back and looking at who played on it and, and all the photos and everything else. And that's kind of how I've always found new music has been through that kind yeah. of stuff and and uh, I, I miss it i mean uh, you know i i've avoided the digital thing but but yeah. i feel bad for people who aren't everything's on kind of random and all that and they, they miss out on that stuff so it's, it's cool to see you're doing it i think it. so yeah well you know what for me it's like uh it doesn't make sense to press a bunch of cds of the deluxe reissue because yeah. we're not playing shows if we were if we were actively okay we're gonna go on tour again we're gonna play shows okay let's let's press some vinyl let's press some cds but um for now i think the best way to do it is digital but as you just said especially um maybe people in our age group more so but you know probably will it makes the download a little more worthwhile when you're getting all that extra material with it you know and it's just as easy to look at all the material on your computer as it is in a booklet in your hand so you know it's there for people who want to check it out. And, uh, I, you know, it was a real pleasure for me to do the work and scan it all and do the layout. And yeah, I love doing that stuff anyway. So yeah. it's, uh, yeah, I'm really happy to have it out there. Right on. 
Well, I'm glad it's out there, and I'm glad that uh, people who you know will get a chance to hear it or rehear it or rediscover all of the the bonus stuff you have in there. So uh, Zoom's about to kick us out because they have this this time limit thing unless you pay for the super Zoom or something. So, um, <laughs> okay. But I really appreciate it, guys. Thanks for thanks for doing this, and uh, yeah, good. I, I, I hope I hope this uh, record, you know, the, the reissue that does really well and people kind of get back into the band because it's, you know, you, you. like I said, you were a thing in Winnipeg that, that a lot of people dug and, and I think you've left some kind of legacy and hopefully this will kind of just further, further that for a new audience. Thanks very much, man. And we really appreciate the interview. Awesome. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Thanks for your interest. And cool. Nice talking to you. Show the stars. See.
Yeah.